You're listening to Shep Life with 1FM's Terry Cowley. Now we are launching, relaunching uh, the segment of the Shep Life program called The Backstory, where we sit with someone for an hour and go into their backstory, share a few stories, share a few yarns, share a bit of music. And Johnny is my victim today. Good morning, Johnny. Oh, I better turn you. Yeah. There we go. Now even, we're even turn your microphone on for you. Isn't Good that morning, nice of me? Terry. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning, lovely listeners out there. It's, uh, how, how are you feeling? I'm fine, yeah. Good. Thank you so much for coming in because you're following me. I certainly am. Um, yeah, filling in for Bridget again this week. Okay. Yeah. So you very kindly come in an hour early so you can have a chat to me. Thank you so much. That's not a problem. I'm enjoying. So. Let's talk about you. This is an unusual turning of the tables, isn't it? exactly right. It is, yep, for sure. You're used to be doing the talking and now I'm in control. You have to do what I say for the whole hour. Yes, boss. (laughs) (laughs) So, Johnny, um, obviously you've been at 1FM for about six years, so a lot of people in the community know you through your work at 1FM. But for 21 years prior to that, you were a teacher at Wanganui. So I'm guessing a lot of people know you from that life. Oh, very definitely there, yes. Social media is an amazing thing. The amount of um, people that, uh, in particular, people who were students, I still call them my kids, you know. Yeah. They're, they're all my kids um, that uh, I worked with who are friends on Facebook. It's is just absolutely amazing. And even my previous school, I go back to um, North Tech or to Casterton High School, the the, uh, the Facebook friends I have out of those uh, places, well, 34 years teaching, so it's, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It really is good. Just mm. if you just put your mic up a little, a little bit. bit um, yeah. Mm. So... So you taught, tell us about your teaching days. You taught metalwork, jewellery, computers, woodwork. Yeah, anything in the um, the technology, what they call technologies. I even had, um, for a short time, a uh, an electronics class. Now, that was sort of um, one period ahead of the kids with, with that one learning as I went. So that was quite interesting. But uh, yeah, we had some good times. The kids did some good things and uh, learned a lot of a lot of skills from it because uh, it was all skills-based learning. That was the important thing. And uh, uh, with the demise of the technical school, we don't have that as much anymore these days. Um, no. I went to a tech school. I'm absolutely proud of that. Ringo Tech was a great place. And the same, I taught at um, Shep Tech, which uh, everybody around here knows as North Tech. I was there for six years as well until they closed it. But the kids that went to tech schools were the kids who were going to be the tradesmen and the um, etc. and uh, always were. And I ended up as a plumber at my time from, uh, from tech school. Uh, I was not never an academic, still aren't. But, uh, yeah, you learn things. <laughs> so so you said that you became a plumber straight out of school, but you always wanted to be a teacher. Well, not until I started my apprenticeship, really. Um, I'd been through tech school. I actually wanted to be a panel beater because my dad was a panel beater. The only course that um, the tech school offered that had any form of um, metal in sheet form was the plumbing elective at um, fourth form. Well, what was that, year 10 these days? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that one and I absolutely loved it. The, the things we learnt, the skills we learnt were just fantastic. And at the end of it, it gave me a year off my apprentice training. So it wasn't a year off the apprenticeship itself. It was still a five-year apprenticeship. But I started uh, my first year as an apprentice in second-year school. So it was uh, took that one year off schooling. So it was very good. And it was during that time that I sort of watch what the the teachers were doing and the way they interacted with the kids and uh, I said to one of them one day what do you have to do to become a teacher and he said well to do what we're doing now he said you have to have a five year completed a five year apprenticeship and complete five years of industrial experience working out in your trade so that would have been 10 years so um 
that was always at the back of the mind from then on. Mm. So that so you didn't have to go and do like a Bachelor of Arts and a Diploma of Education. No, we we did it differently. We um, I applied for um, teacher training as a as a tradesman and was accepted. That was in 1980. In 1981, I started at the Hawthorne Institute of Education, but we were doing the Diploma of Technical Teaching, okay. Tech Teach. So yep. we ended up with the diploma at the end of it. But instead of going to university and uh, doing it at occasional rounds like um, people do these days, we were allocated schools. We taught three days a week and went to college two days a week. We were thrown straight to the straight to wolf. the wolf. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And my first school was Collingwood Tech, and that was an interesting place. Tough. Oh, tough. But the kids were brilliant. They really were terrific because they all, they were coming out of high-rise buildings and they were in a different atmosphere at school and a lot of the kids wanted to learn. And it was the height of the, um, the people from Vietnam arriving and they were like sponges. They wanted to learn everything. They were fantastic people to work with. They really were. Um, and it was just great. You know, some of the jokes around the place was, um, you know, we used to play you know, spot the braided, blade of grass at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The other one was spot the Aussie. That was, it was all fun. Yeah, it was a what fantastic it, place. What is it that drew you to teaching? What, what, do, you, what do you enjoy enjoy about that experience? Just the, uh, the interaction with the kids. Um, and at the end of my two-year training, my first year was Collingwood. The second was at Swinburne TAFE, uh, teaching apprentices. And that was on the, uh, the change from uh, the traditional classroom learning with the kids to um, self-paced learning where we had units that they actually went and did things. We had uh, the River Street Richmond complex was brand new at Swinburne and that had uh, like an Olympic sized swimming pool full of sand and the kids dug drains in it. That's a big sand pit. Yeah, (laughs) it was um, learnt deep trenching and all those sort of things and how to shore the trenches up with all those sort of things. It was just an amazing thing. In the um, building area, they had um, frames and the kids would actually install toilets, showers, bathrooms Mm. and all those things and they would have to do all of the work and make them work. Uh, And an interesting side off of that was where we had the plastic fittings which you glue them together and you can't use them again. Some bright spark found out that the um, the stuff that we used as um, the hand cleaner, this well, I think it was called Swarfeeder or something, was a green jelly stuff. It would actually hold a water test, so the kids could use that instead of glue, and then take the fittings apart at the end of the thing and put them all back in the store. And it was yeah, it's just amazing. So there were the kids; they're all working away. They've got the unit, and we were virtually. Um, inspectors and we would go around and watch what they're doing if we could see something they weren't doing right we could offer a few tips here and there but uh, and then there was of course the the theory side of the thing and the units that come into a classroom and go through those as well and it was a fascinating time it really was but, how did uh, you end up at wanganui oh i i was given the choice at the end of my teacher training whether i'd stay in the tafe system or whether i wanted to go to secondary and i'd miss the interaction with the junior kids uh, the the being a, like a, a working inspector just um, wasn't as interesting as as working with the kids and the interaction and that you got from the from the younger ones it was just fantastic. So I applied for um, schools all over the place and I was um, allocated to Casterton High School, which is um, down near Mount Gambier, about um, 100 k's north of Portland and 70 k from the Mount. Known uh, for its Kelpies these days. It sure is, yep, absolutely. Um, Now, what was the name of the place? I'm just trying to think. Uh, I'll catch it in a moment because uh, we had kids from there who went to to Collingwood, uh, to Casterton High School. I think Elfinvale was uh, where it started, yeah, Elfin Vale. Mm. And um, you came from Casterton to Wanganui? No, to uh, North Tech. 
North Tech. Yes, yeah, came from Casterton to North Tech at the end of 1988. We actually were allocated the schoolhouse that uh, was behind the Ardmona Primary School. It was mm-hmm. the principal's residence, and that was our first house in the district. Okay. And that was, a, <laughs> that was as I say, 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been here ever since. Yeah, it's a fascinating place. You obviously enjoyed Wanganui because you oh, stayed absolutely. there for 21 years. Fantastic. I love the... Um, the, the atmosphere of the place, the, the um, you know, you, you go past the outside of it. If you've never been inside, when you walk through the gates into the gardens that are inside, it's just just absolutely amazing. And the, the atmosphere and the kids, they all respected the whole thing. Um, one of the things that we were granted was, um, I think it was from Legacy, we had a... Um, a little sapling there, a little pine tree, and it was actually a direct descendant of the lone pine from Gallipoli. And it's um, the respect that the kids showed that little thing. There was nobody go near it. They all looked after it. It was just fantastic. And it was the same with the atmosphere right through the school. Was, um, the vertical modular grouping was new, although I had some experience with Casterton, but um, the vertical home groups, that was something else. So that, for mm. people who don't know it, that's a um, grouping of kids from different year levels in houses. In home yes. groups, yeah. In, we had home our groups, four yep. houses, but our home groups ranged from year 7 through to year 12s and it was extended family situation and they really did look after them each other it was uh, just fantastic and we'd have two sessions a week plus roll mark every morning so we'd greet the kids and we'd have a yap and find out what they've been doing and then we'd have a home group session and a reading session and uh, yeah it was fantastic and uh, unfortunately with this new setup that they're going through it's all been thrown out so uh, yeah well hopefully hopefully you can keep some of the good things yeah exactly some all of the things that we did were very good they were very popular and the school was very popular but nobody else would come and have a look and see what we were doing and take those places those ideas back to their places Uh, Hmm. To me, it's um, no. I'm a little bit biased of it, of course, but um, was, I think it was a tall poppy syndrome. You do get that sometimes. Mm. Now we've talked a bit about your career, Johnny. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about family. Yeah, now, you grew uh, up in uh, Melbourne. Yep, no worries. Well, actually, if we we take it right back to the start. Um, Oh, well, my, you, you my, weren't born in Melbourne, were you? No, my dad was uh, an English serviceman servicing, working here in Australia, training Australian soldiers, and he met this young lady from North Ringwood and went on from there. At the end of the war, Mum, in 1946, was on the boat. The boats were bringing soldiers back, but going back to England to bring the next load back fairly empty, so she was on one of those boats going back to England, back to Dad. They were married on New Year's Eve, or Christmas Eve, it's... Um, it wasn't there, of course. One or the other. No, you weren't there. <laughs> and it was um, in 1946, and I arrived um, two and a half, or, yeah, 48, in July 1948. Born at the London Maternity Hospital, and that makes me a true Cockney, because um, you could see and hear the Bow Bells out of the window of the London Maternity Hospital. So if you're born within sight and sound of the Bow Bells, you're a Cockney. Okay. Works, so yeah. where was that? Uh, was that was in the East End? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, we lived in um, Lewisham and Catford was, uh, okay. was where we lived. Yeah. But um, Dad hated the place after he got back from uh, Australia, and he was spent some time in India. And uh, Mum was born at Warrandyte, so... Um, in 1950, we came back as 10-pound tourists, brought my brother back. Uh, Mum was uh, pregnant with Fred when uh, he was exported. So um, then we had uh, two more after that. Lived in Heathmont until, well, 1962 or three. Yeah, 63 it would have been. And we moved to Ringwood East and uh, uh, the rest from there. Had um, two younger sisters, Linda and Wendy. 
and uh, yeah, we've got a fairly big extended family from there, so that's really good on the painter side of the thing. Mum's side, the McCanns, they're all over the place too. I've got some cousins down at MacArthur in South Australia, I've got in Queensland, in uh, in, uh, in New South Wales, and right through here in Victoria as well. It's just, uh, it's great, yeah. So you, you are a POM, but you probably never had a POMI accent. No. <laughs> no, no. Coming out my, at the age my, of two. My granddad was the one, he was the... Um, he was the real Londoner. He was the one with the rhyming slang and, you know, all that sort of thing. You go wash me boat and that, because boat was boat race, which was face. And, yeah, Grandad was good at all of those sort of things. Tricky. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're quite was, tricky, some of them, yeah, aren't they? The, yeah, the way they talk. There's usually two words and you take the the, the, the rhyming one off. Mm, you know, yeah, I, um, yeah, I I was born in steak and kidney. So yep, there you go. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Just mistake, yeah. Yeah, Grandad would um, go and he'd, he'd have to go and wash his plates. And that was his place to meet, which was his feet. <laughs> Perfectly logical when Absolutely. you when you know how to actually. Absolutely, yep. no, it was great. No, I loved it, my granddad. Yeah. He was fantastic. Uh, that was there's a little bit of a story on that one too, because Nat and Granddad were never married. Was he, Shock was, he was always Granddad Fox, oh. and, our, and Dad's surname was Painter. But uh, we found out a lot later on doing some research that um, Dad's parents split up. Dad has an older brother we've known nothing of it. I had an older brother and he stayed with Dad and uh, our Dad stayed with Mum and then of course she met Granddad Fox and uh, they've um, lived together for the, the rest of their lives together. So uh, yeah, so Granddad Fox he was my Granddad anyway. Never bit of a fox else. by the yeah, sound of it. He really was. Yeah. <laughs> he, was a, he was a fabulous bloke. Yeah. Mm. So fast forward a little bit, mm. when did you first get married? 1971 was the first one. Okay, yeah. and her name? It was Petra. Petra, mm. okay. Yeah, there's enough of that. <laughs> we had we had three children. We had Jenny and then Becky, and then we had a little one named John, uh, but we lost him to SIDS at about seven weeks, and uh, that started the rot with the um, the marriage, and it was hard to keep going with the whole thing. With uh, She was um, blaming the, the daughters and things like that, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and finally... Yeah, end of that. Yeah, end of that sort of story. So I was one of the very few people in those mid-70s who actually had custody of the girls. So it was uh, a very interesting time. Mm. Can we pause a bit and talk about John? Because mm. he's an important person in your life. Oh, he was. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Mm. So when was he born? It was, um, good grief, October in um, 75, 74, 75 would have been, yeah. And we lost him just before Christmas in that year. So was, normal yeah. pregnancy, normal yeah, birth? Yeah, normally he was a little bit early because I decided to have an industrial accident and fall off a roof. Oh, no. Which was good. But funnily enough, it was down at Mangalore and um, I was rushed to Box Hill Hospital. They took me to Seymour Hospital and then, um, then to Box Hill. And uh, when she got the news... Um, Within a, a two days, she went into labour, and he was probably um, two weeks early. And uh, I don't think that helped. But uh, everything else was was quite normal. There wasn't any problems with it. Uh, good pregnancy, yeah. Mm. Can you take? Um, I don't want to upset you, John, because it is upsetting, but it's um, it's important. Mm. Um, can you take me back to? Um, do you remember the day that oh, he yeah, passed away? No, not you? the exact date, but um, we'd put him to bed that night. Uh, had his own room, he's all comfortable, snuggled down and tucked up. And when I went in in the morning, I uh, put my hand on to wake him up and he was cold. And that was it. And I was, uh, yeah. What did you do, John? Yelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yelled. She came running in and, yeah, we had to try and, uh, yeah. Did you try and revive him? No. It was, no, it was, it was too late. late. Well, until too late, yeah. He'd been, been gone for a long time. Mm. 
It's so baffling. SIDS mm. is so baffling. Oh, you look exactly for a reason right. and you look for... Yeah. Th- mm. But there isn't a, an answer, was, is there? No, there's no answers then. There still isn't today. And, uh, and then it was called cot death. Mm. But uh, now it's SIDS, a sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah, so it's uh, got a name. It was a big, big supporter of the Red Nose Days when they first started off, but they've sort of uh, gone too commercial for me now. So it's, uh, yeah, don't bother with those anymore. Mm. So what what did you, you call the... Um, you called... Doctors police, came in. Police send the police. doctor immediately. Called the doctor. He sort of organised the police as well. And they were there fairly quickly. There was uh, nothing to to show, and uh, they came in, found where he was. Yeah. How were you, How old were your girls then? Jenny would have been four or, or or three, and Becky would have been one and a half. Yeah. So too young to understand, mm, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. How did you end up having custody of them? Was that something that you had to fight oh, for? No, she was. Um, she just didn't want them anymore. She would had enough of it. She um, she blamed the girls. Why Why was it? Uh, why could? Why was it my boy? Why couldn't mm. it be one of the girls? All those sort of um, psychological problems that she had from then on, and uh, yeah, and she just walked out and left a whole lot of us. Mm. Mm. So you had the girls, then you raised yep. them? Mm-hmm, yep. I found um, that due to her uh, condition at the time that she was, um, you know, the, the loss of caused a lot of mental problems with her, uh, she'd been gambling. We'd, um, we virtually lost the house immediately afterwards because uh, nothing had been paid and I'm going to work and coming home every night. You didn't see the bills because they'd all disappeared very, very quickly. And as far as I was concerned, everything was paid up and we were hunky-dory. And then we found out we were just about to lose the house because uh, nothing had been paid. So uh, ended up living back at Mum and Dad's place, which was uh, interesting, but fun. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. We had some great times. Mum was terrific. My sisters were terrific getting the kids to uh, to school and things like that. And, uh, yeah, it was was great. So life threw you, threw you a massive curveball. Mm, but you yep. you got over it. You, yeah, you, then, then life I, goes on. Someone said to, um, you know, you want to have a look at um, an ind- a, a group called Parents Without Partners. So I said, oh, what are they about? You know, they're they're parents who have par- who don't have partners, and they meet and they have parties and join each other, and they have a lot of kids' activities. And I thought, well, that's something I'm looking forward to. So uh, I joined PWP. There was a group called the In Betweeners because we were in between partners and in between marriages and in between this and that. And there was. Uh, and they were fantastic. The kids' days, we'd go out on a Sunday and there'd be a big picnic in a park somewhere and they'd have games and they are fantastic. And um, I was a rarity because I had my kids. It's, it's very interesting and it's probably a bit of an indictment, but in those days, if you were a single bloke, you could find uh, a mum out there who had a couple of kids who was very, very willing to take you on very, very quickly... But if you had your kids as well, oh, no, 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 that was somebody else's Much more problem. complicated. Exactly right, it really mm. was. Uh, was. But it was a great organisation. If it was um, intimacy, you know, like being, being intimate with a lot of people, that was that was there if you wanted it. But if you wanted friendship, that was there as well. And it was the friendship side that was fantastic, it really was. We had a, we'd have a party every Saturday night somewhere and we'd um, you know dance the night away and talk to each other and, and support people, each other. And people was, who yeah. knew what you are going through. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We'd support each other and we'd have some laughs and then we'd all go home. But, uh, yeah. but sometimes, sometimes we'd go home with another partner. So it was, yeah, it was interesting. Through mm. parents without mm. partners, though, you met someone who's going to really yeah, yep. have a massive impact on your oh, life. Oh, absolutely. I met Errol at a... Uh, we used to have a, a ski camp at Bright every year and I met... Errol at a pre-bright party at a, a mate's place in um, oh, it was virtually it wasn't Doncaster it was over near Channel 10 but it was sort of Springvale Road we met at Ray's place and we talked for ages that night and uh, just yapped and 
uh, and then went our separate ways and we met at Brighton we had a, we talked again and then there was a party that was held at Luna Park and we met there once again and then uh, we met at a uh, a dance that was being held at the Ringwood Town Hall and uh, we sort of hit it off really well from there on and uh, uh, at the um, let me see it was two day the day before but it's actually tomorrow would be the anniversary when we moved in together <laughs> how long ago was that john oh that was 1981 first year of teacher training yeah now we haven't got long left to talk unfortunately i'm sure no, we, we could we could have filled in the whole three hours i'm sure with your interesting very, very life easy. Yeah, exactly. but um we sort of got to when you met errol so yep. when did you you and errol when did you and Errol get married? We were married in um, 1983, mm-hmm. my first year off course. Uh, we had everything planned before we went to um, Casterton, but we didn't give them the month's notice. So we had to um, push it forward a month and give them the notice, and then we were living in Casterton and we came back. We had um, four kids between us at the time. We had um, my two, Jenny and Becky, and we all had Colin and Rebecca. We had two Rebeccas. That made things interesting. Uh, and we, we came back on that weekend, and uh, we were married in a place up in the Dandenongs called Doongala Estate, which is up, up above um, Kilsyth right in the hills. It was an absolutely beautiful estate and the gardens here. So we had a garden wedding and a BYO barbecue, which was, it was great. It was very relaxing. Um, went back home to Casterton on the Sunday and uh, yeah, and went on from there. We uh, we were there for six years when we had uh, Andrew and Dale while we were there. Our, our daughter is Dale. Not a, not a boy, it's a girl named Dale. I yep. know how Dale feels. Yep. No worries <laughs> at all. Yeah, so. So we had uh, our two while we were down and brought them back. And um, with all of the kids now, we've got 13 grandies from uh, Jeffrey at um, 25 down to Van, who's just turned two. So we've got them all over the place. It's great here. Love them all. Great fun. Mm. Busy and full life. Yeah, I reckon. Mm. And one of your grandchildren, one of your grandsons is autistic? Yes, Harley. Harley. Yeah, he's autistic. He's he's a character. He's a student at um, the Verney Road Special School, but um, with the COVID thing, he's um, got it into his brain that um, anybody that sneezes is going to give him COVID, so he's, <laughs> he's petrified of the whole thing. So well, actually our, he could our, be right. Um, our Bianca Stone here is uh, making some masks, so we took one round to Harley yesterday, and he absolutely loved it because it's got a big moustache on the front. Oh, that's that awesome! Was, that was really good. So that, yeah, it went out well. Yeah, no, we've uh, we've been together for thirty four, thirty five years now. Yeah, it's just great. Thirty no, thirty seven. Yeah, it's a long time. Mm. And yeah. uh, happy birthday for Sunday in advance, oh, by the way. Yeah, 72. I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, no, you're 71 today. Yes, yeah, still, still 71 and tomorrow. Yeah, exactly right. That's no, great. How does that mm. feel, John? No different to uh, five years ago. It's, yeah. Mm. But different to 20 years ago? Uh, probably, uh, probably a little <laughs> bit more sprightly then, but I was still riding, riding, riding motorbikes. We haven't so. talked about your motorsport. Yeah, um, no. You've had a lifelong interest in oh, absolutely. in cars and yeah, bikes. Yep, for sure, yeah. And particularly bikes lately. Yeah, my Uncle Don gave me a very old Vespa scooter when I was uh, about 17. The thing wouldn't go, so we had to get it going. And it it'd go and it'd run for a little while. And then uh, I ended up, I, I bought a registered one and that was my... Uh, Seventeen-nine months had the learner's permit, and I mm-hmm. went. Yeah, and I've been mm-hmm. riding ever since. Yeah, it's only a short time in uh, my life, really, that I haven't had a bike somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you tell me you've got three now. Yeah, I've got two Triumph Tigers and a little Honda scooter. Yeah, it's all good fun. Do you ride them much? Yep, every I'll be on it tomorrow morning. <laughs> and do, mm. where do you go? 
Well, um, we we do sport and road on a Saturday morning, so we'll uh, we'll sneak in here tomorrow morning, and uh, I'll ride in, and then we meet the Ulysses crew at the Park Lake. So I'll nip down there for a coffee, and sometimes I'll come home. I'll I'll have a ride out round through Raftery Road, then come home through to Lamba, back to Maroop, and had a little bit of a ride. But uh, it's been to uh, Mount Gambier, it's been to Phillip Island, uh, all over the place. Yeah, it's great. Now, last year you had the opportunity to take your interest in. Um Moto GP to another level. You oh, were able you. to marshal at a at a meet at Austin, Texas. Yeah, at uh, the Circuit of the Americas. That was a, an absolute experience. Uh, normally, I'm working in race control, but this was back with the grassroots level, with the guys out with the picking up the uh, crashed bikes and uh, waving flags and all that. It was just absolutely great fun. Sounds like every boy's dream come oh, true. Really, it really was. Yeah, it was a trip of a lifetime. It was only a week, away for a week. That was good. Uh, on uh, the um, Friday morning. In fact, I, I spoke to you. I rang from... Um, I think it was Peter. Yeah, I, I, well, you answered the phone. Did I? Yes, you sure did. Yeah. Better memory and, and than it me, was, John. Um, it was half past six or quarter... Uh, just on six o'clock at night in Austin on the night before, and then um, I spoke to Peter that... Uh, and it was sort of ten to nine here or something like that. It was, yeah, it was interesting. A very interesting place. And with what's happening this year, I'm sure you feel very uh, fortunate you got to do that last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, it was an interesting, interesting experience. Yeah. And you've been around the country seeing, you know, the big motorsport stars at different places, you know, Peter Brocks and people like that and yeah, Bathurst we, and all we, that. we followed Brocky and things like that. We did Phillip Island as young ones and we did Bathurst and, yeah, all of those places. Like the, the Calder Raceway, we, we saw um, the stock car racing at the Thunderdome, all those sort of bits and pieces as uh, motorsports fans, yeah, before we got involved with um, the officialing side and that's been... Uh, uh, that's been an experience, everything, working away from uh, a raw flag marshal through to um, Clark, of course, and Stewart. So I'm now, actually, I'm still level four, with that, which is um, I'm able to uh, officiate at a national level meeting. So that's really good. Mm. So are you, want, can, are you one of those guys or were you one of those guys that actually gets to fly that flag when oh, yeah. they start off? That would yep, be exciting. Yeah, done that. Yeah, no worries. Press <laughs> the start button to get the race all going. All the noise, all the smell, yeah, and the, the uh, sense. Same the with the chequered flag power. at the end of the race. Done all that. Yeah, it's oh. great. Yeah. What is it that you love about motorsport? Oh, the, the people. The camaraderie. It's just amazing. Yeah, the fantastic people. It's great, Terry. Really It's is. just basically community. Yeah, it's, it is. It really is. You find is, your yeah. community wherever fantastic you... Fantastic bunch of people. Mm. Well, so plenty to keep you busy in retirement, John. Yep. Um, you've left Wanganui. You're gone from there but not forgotten. And yep. now you've got yourself a whole new career in radio. Absolutely. I start my sixth year next month. And what do you love about radio? Once again, the friendship. Yeah. Playing music. You're three hours of playing music. Go home happy. It's just magic. You've been listening to the Ship Life podcast. If you'd like to hear the show live, you can tune in to 98.5 on your radio or stream through fm985.com.au or the TuneIn app on your Android or iOS device. Friday mornings from 9am to midday.